the gospel commands and demands our sacrifice of our lives and offering to the Lord. Right now, Lord Jesus Christ, this sermon is an offering to you. When we sing, I'm offering you my praise. I am offering you my time. I am giving my life to your glory right now because you alone are worthy. Hello, friends, and thank you once again for joining us here on Live in the Light. We love that you're here and thankful that you've tuned us in today. Today's message from God's Word takes us deeper into the book of Malachi as the Lord exposes the, well, lazy worship of his people. Rather than giving him their best, God was just getting the leftovers from his people. It's a challenging message for sure from God's Word today, but we're praying that with the conviction, major encouragement would also be ours from his word today. Pastor Robbie explains more with today's message entitled, Where is my honor? Let's pick things up in Malachi chapter 1, verse 6. Romans 12, 1 says it so well. Paul says, I appeal to you therefore by the mercies of God. What's the mercies of God? It's the gospel. 11 chapters of gospel summarized in because the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel has saved you, redeemed you, restored you, reconciled you, ransomed you, by sacrificing his own self, purchasing you with his blood. He has sanctified you, making more like Jesus Christ. He guarantees glorification. He has placed his Holy Spirit in you that you've been adopted as a child of God. That's a pretty significant uh, theology wrapped up in, I appeal to you therefore the mercies of God, the gospel of God. Now here's the implication. God has loved you in this way. So therefore present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God. Why? For this is your spiritual worship. See what's happening there? See what's happening there? The gospel commands and demands our sacrifice of our lives and offering to the Lord. I, I, this has impacted me this week. Right now, Lord Jesus Christ, this sermon is an offering to you. That blesses me. When we sing, I'm offering you my praise. I am offering you my time. I am giving my life to your glory right now because you alone are worthy. And then forgive me, God, when I stroll in here casually, when I go through my days and I treat you lightly and irreverently and, and, and take you for granted and despise your name by what I say, how I think, and how I live. Because you deserve more from my life than that. Because you are the king of kings. You are worthy of everything I could ever give. You know, a beautiful illustration. It appears in every gospel, in all four gospels the story of the sinful woman in some form or one or another. This thing of the story related to what we're learning right here. She comes in, man. She's a woman of the city. She's a prostitute. 
Everyone despises her. She comes in. She's so in love with Jesus because in some form, some way, she recognized Jesus as the one who saves her from her sins. She bows down at his feet. She begins to weep. She wipes her tears with her hair on his feet and then she pours perfume over Jesus. And the people watching her do this, they're indignant. That's so expensive. We could have saved that and used it for the poor. Whatever, Judas, whatever. And others in the Pharisee, if Jesus knew who was touching him, he would never. And Jesus says, he says, leave her alone. She has done a beautiful thing to me. And wherever the, he says this, wherever the gospel is proclaimed throughout this world, the story of her will be told with it. Why? Why? Think, 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 think. She has nothing that she will hold back because she is kneeling before the one who has given her everything. So the most expensive thing she can bring, she pours and breaks over the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing given to the Lord Jesus Christ in this way will be wasted. Nothing. Because he is the one only worthy of all the worship we could ever muster. Don't you see? So she pours out her whole life in sacrifice and others to stain her for it. And yet the Lord Jesus Christ says, leave her alone for she has done a beautiful thing to me. How do we honor him? We give him our best. No leftovers. What does our best look like? Looks like this, the first hour of my day. I wake up, here's my day, Lord, take it, use it. My first hour is my best hour. This is my whole life right here. It all starts here, abiding, God time. God, you are the one who allowed me to sleep and wake up. You were allowed, allowed my heart to beat, my mind to think right now. You're the one who's given me life. You're the one who has placed salvation in me. Lord, you deserve, you deserve the first hour of my day. Secondly, first day of the week. It's a principle of Sabbath. It's what we're doing right now. Lord, you have, you have bestowed on me the, the title of child of God if I've placed my faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sins. I will set apart in principle the first day of my week to give to you in holiness and reverence and awe and adoration and praise and in worship. Next, the first check that I write. This is such a big one because in our society, in every society, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. This is, again, we always hear, Jesus taught on money more than heaven and hell combined. Why? Because if he doesn't have the wallet, he doesn't have the heart. Because if the heart's truly saved, the wallet's also converted. This is so important. This is so important. If you are showing up and handing over pocket change to the Lord, you have heart issues. You got to face that today. If you're not giving to the kingdom and it's just a scrap here and a scrap there, you don't get the gospel. You don't understand the reality of what moth and rust destroy and what moth and rust cannot destroy treasures in heaven versus treasures on earth. You don't get it. You are living for the world and not living for the kingdom. That's why Jesus cares about this so much because the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. It's a heart issue. Church wants my money. Whatever. God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. As if, as if God needs our money. Give me a break. But he wants our hearts. Why? Because he's jealous for our love. Where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Last one. The first priority of my giftedness. The first priority of my giftedness. My life being used not for the bottom line of some company, 
the bottom line of the kingdom of Jesus Christ. How he has entrusted me. I have one life to live. I want you to notice this kid right here, and I didn't plan it this way. God time, gather time, give time, give time, go time, group time. It's all here, man. It's the call of the Christ follower. You know, there's a truth that has impacted me this week and just even in terms of what are we really going after and are we giving God our best? In fact, I just want to show you, this is a picture from my Bible here. This is from Jeremiah 2 and this just hit me so hard this week and I had to show a couple of my children too. What wrong did your fathers find in me? God asked his people. I just wrote down a great question. How do you find fault in the Lord, man? He's, he's perfect. He God's heart here is like, why don't, why, don't, why don't you like me? You know, like, I've loved you with an everlasting love. And he says that they went far from me and went after worthlessness. Now here's the theology, here's the reality. When you go after worthlessness, anything other than Jesus Christ, if that's what your heart's set upon, you become worthless. Children, come here, here. Dad has a word for you. Come over here, look at the Bible this week. Sit down. What are you getting out of this? What is the spiritual principle the Bible is telling us right here, kids? Come, come, let's learn together, okay? And it took a little bit of time. But at the end of the day, saying, if I go after things of the world, I become like things of the world. I become worthless because the world ultimately is worthless. It doesn't last. It's temporal. If my life is based on the pursuit of the world, I am placing myself in the pursuit of worthlessness. And do you really want to be worthless? But think about it. That's why I worship Jesus Christ, right? What is worship? Worship is worthship. We worship that which we place worth in. This is why when we worship Jesus Christ, we become like Jesus Christ because he is worthy of all our praise. You worship him, you become like him. He's the only one worthy of our true, unadulterated worship. And hear me throughout this whole thing right here, the first hour, first day, first check, first priority. Some will say this. Sounds like some form of you know, legalistic religious behavior. I can't disagree with you more. This is all motivated by love. I want to know this too. Some of us use, well, legal. some of us use legalism as an excuse to rationalize our compromise. You know what the Israelites did in verses six to eight, when God says, you despise my name. How? How have we despised your name? You polluted offerings. How have you polluted offerings, God? Who are they talking to? Like, it sounds like some kind of sibling rivalry that occurs in my house on a weekly basis. How come you get to? How come, how come she did? How come, what is it? This is a conversation with Almighty God. And they dare to talk back to him and say, oh yeah, how are we doing that? I'm telling you, man, you're here right now and you're starting to form excuses in your heart for why this, the honor of the Lord shouldn't be in your life. I just, I just recommend, right? Don't do it. Don't do it. The heart is wicked. Own it. Own it like I'm trying to own it before the Lord. How do I honor him? I give him my best no leftovers. Secondly, how do I honor him? By being jealous for his name. No indifference. Look at verse nine. God says, and now entreat the favor of God that he may be gracious to us. But notice this, it's kind of sarcasm. With such a gift from your hand, will he show favor to any of you? Says the Lord of hosts. See what's happening there? So entreat God for his favor. But if you're offering the gifts you're offering, is there any chance that he's going to show favor to you? The answer is no. Look at verse 10. 
Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors of the temple that you might not kindle fire on my altar in vain. Wow. I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, and I will not accept an offering from your hand. Consider how the Lord desires to be honored, his name to be feared. You know, I think of how many Christians that wander into the presence of God with a coffee in one hand and a smartphone in the other, okay? Coffee in itself is not wrong. Smartphone in itself is not wrong. But listen, when you come in and that's an indication of the heart and there's indifference, that's the problem. Wandering into the presence of God and just so indifferent to heart and kind of serving a coffee and looking at a smartphone and there's no awareness of what we're actually doing in this moment right now. Listen, if you wander into the presence of God that way, it won't be long before the presence of God is no longer there because we're grieving the spirit of God with a heart of indifference that isn't fearing his name or calling his name holy. He won't stick around that long. He dwells with those who fear his name and love, love him for his glory. It's a serious thing. A number of years ago, I found myself as a guest preacher in a church that I wasn't too familiar with and they had multiple services. And I remember between one of the services, I was sitting in the back and the guy doing the announcements in the service, he started talking and then somehow the conversation came around that he says, during the announcements, he was challenged, hey, can you say these three words or phrases in the announcements? And they were for the most part, ridiculous phrases kind of humorous, whatever, but nothing to do with whatever he's saying. So he goes out in the next service, worship, worship service, the next service, and he begins to do the announcements, part of the worship service to God, and he fits in these ridiculous phrases into the announcements, and only those of us in the back room kind of knew what was going on. Now, I got to admit, at first, there's a sense where that's really funny, but then the conviction came in. What is happening right now? What is happening is you have a pastor of a church that is using the service dedicated to the holiness and worship and glory of God. And there's existing now zero honor of his name, zero fear of his name. And I said to myself, is God laughing at this? Is this, is this okay? That the worship service dedicated to God became a mockery? Hear me, I'm not against humor in church. The right way and the right time but I am so against the idea that we can stroll in here and treat this like this is some game or some operation where we're just trying to get ourselves entertained, go through some motions, and then go back home and remain unchanged altogether. Loved ones, this is where we have to decide, okay, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be smart, clever. I'm not trying to be sarcastic right now. I mean this sincerely. This is where we have to decide, what is this that we are doing here right now? Like what we have to decide, is this truly a worship service or is it a social gathering? I mean, honestly, today, this is just my heart to yours right now. And again, I'm not saying this accusi uh, uh, in accusatory fashion. I'm just saying, again, my heart to yours. Answer this question in your heart. Why did you come today, honestly? What was the ultimate priority and motivation? Did you come today to receive? Did you come today or to give? To give of the one who is worthy of our praise. This time right here should be the most sacred 90 minutes of our week. Theologically, it should be. 
It is the bride of Christ gathering before God to declare his glory and honor his name and hear his word. So I ask right now, where are the tears of repentance? Where's the reverence and awe? Where's the joy of the Lord? And again, I'm not saying that accusing anyone of anything. I'm just saying this is, this is my heart so much. I love this church so much. I'm so thankful to be a part of this with you. I love you so much. I love the people of this church. I'm constantly humbled with the integrity and the devotion and the sacrifice of praise to God, but we can never become okay with where we are because the moment we assume this is happening is the moment we are done. Again, I'm not trying to be smart right now at all. A couple of questions. Did your punctuality and priority of God today honor him? Did it? Did it show him honor with your punctuality and the priority that you've placed him today? Did the way you carried his word today and carry it right now, does it honor him that you are holding literally a holy book written by God? Did the way that you sang today honor him? Did the way that you prayed today honor his name today? Is how you are listening right now, is it honoring him? Will the way you treat the sacredness of the Lord's Supper in a few moments, will it truly honor him? I admit to you, one of the great challenges for the worship team, the production team, for myself for sure, is the idea of a weekend multiple services. And that each service would not become just the thing you do, but would be fresh and real and a true offering of praise every time you do it. And I will admit to you too, you hit that last service and our services, they're full of intense spiritual emotion and you are giving yourself. And by the last service, you can sometimes just be like, man, I just, I'm just tempted to mail this one in because you're just saying, Lord, I don't, you, God, you have to do, but, just, but before the Lord to say, every person walking in here, this is the first time. And this is a sacred moment. And this is a service of praise and offering of glory to him. And so God, forgive me when that doesn't happen the way that you desire, but I will find grace and so will you. I want you to see in verses nine and 10, they're pretty remarkable. Again, the entreating for God's favor, but with what they're offering, right? So God says, you could ask for his favor, but with what you're offering, really there's no chance of finding favor. And how does that relate to our nation today and the church as a whole? Think of the offerings, and I'm not trying to paint a brush across the whole thing, wonderful, faithful men and women across this nation, but the church as a whole, I mean, think of the offering on some level. Think of the sermonettes going on. You will not hear a message like this hardly anywhere in this nation. Why? Why? Churches sing secular songs. Why? Churches with cliche, perfunctory prayers gathered of people living self-indulgent lives with no sense of sacrifice or offering people shallow giving across the board. Why? Hearts are not where they need to be. There's no honor of the Lord of fear. of me. Look at verse 10 again. This is, this, is, this is remarkable. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the doors, that you may not kindle fire on my altar in vain. You know what this is saying here? God's saying he'd rather the temple be shut down compared to with what's going on in the temple. Close the doors, man. It's not even worth being open. Without a doubt, God has a word for churches across this nation. He would rather some churches to cease to exist than to carry on in the games that are going on. 
abusing and despising the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why God says in verses 10 and 11, he says, I take no pleasure in it. I will not accept that offering. I will not. Because it's not done in the root and the honor and the fear of my name. But then notice in verse 11. In verse 11, he says, but from the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations and every place incense will be offered to my name and a pure offering for my name will be great among the nations. You know what God's saying there? He says, I may not find those who fear my name among you, but I will find, I will find the remnant. I will find those who will fear my name and honor me because this is what I desire to do and this is who I desire to have before my life. God will take the lampstand from one church and give it to another because he will find a group of people who truly understand the meaning and purpose of life to honor him and fear his name. How do I honor him? I give him my best. I'm jealous for his name. Thirdly, I love to fear him. I love to fear him, no spiritual laziness. So the Lord says, my name will be among the nations that will be feared. But now he returns again to the, to the neglect of his own people. Look at verse 12, specifically the priests, but of course the people are involved in this as well. But you profane it, verse 12, but you profane it when you say the Lord's table is polluted and its fruit, that is, its food may be despised, but you say what a weariness this is and you snort at it, says the Lord of hosts. You bring what has been taken by violence or is lame or sick and this you bring as your offering, your scraps. Shall I accept that from your hand, says the Lord? We already know the answer. The answer is no. Verse 14, cursed, cursed be the cheat who has a male in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices to the Lord what is blemished. For I am a great king, says the Lord of hosts, and my name will be feared among the nations. What happens in verses 12 to 14, we see specific signs of spiritual laziness or lethargy. In fact, four of them. The number one is this. Notice, profane worship. A sign of spiritual laziness, lethargy, a heart sickness, profane worship, verse 12. But you profane it. Profane worship is to take something that's intended for true worship and to make it unholy. It's something God dis disapproves of. It's a serious offense against God. And some of you might say, well, this is the Old Testament. We're now living in the age of grace. God is like, don't offer me something profane and say, well, that is true. But notice what this verse says from 1 Corinthians 11 pertaining to the Lord's Supper, which we celebrate and remember today in the New Testament within the age of grace. Paul says, whoever therefore eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, in a profane manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. And goes on to say in the next verse, that is why some of you have become weak and sick and even died. It's in the Bible. 1 Corinthians 11. Profane worship, it makes my heart shudder to think of the young man or woman or the man or woman at all who would come in here in a day like this and before the Lord's Supper and be hung over. Maybe still feeling effects of some night previously out doing who knows what with who knows what. Sinning their face off in the worldliness and darkness of our society and would dare to come in here and pick up the symbols of the body and the blood of Jesus Christ and receive it in a state where there's unrepented, unconfessed, blatant sin against the Lord and his glory? Don't play that game, man. Let me be clear. The Lord's Supper is for all those who are truly saved in Jesus Christ and every contrite heart and broken heart will receive grace and forgiveness as they come to. I'm talking about the person who wanders in here, man, and just treats it lightly, 
trifling with the holiness and glory of God. Don't do it. Don't do it. That's profane worship. Secondly, weary worship. Weary worship, verse 13. Look at verse 13. They say, what a weariness this is, and you snort at it. Snort at it is they turn up their noses. Weariness, what a weariness. So what they're doing here is they're looking at the mercy and the service of God, and they're like, oh, what a burden. Oh, I'm so tired of God's grace and his love. Oh, I just, I have to go to church again. Oh, another prayer meeting. Oh, you mean I have to come and sing to God about how much he loves me and has saved me from my sin? And oh, I'm so tired. I just want to sit at home and, and sit on my tush again and just you know all oh, the weariness this gospel is. See how that's such a problem? This is what the people were doing. Oh, it's so tiring. Oh, I'm so, I'm so exhausted from all God's love. It's just the wickedness of our hearts. Maybe, maybe some of you came in here today. Oh, I church. Oh, I got to go reflect upon the God of all glory who has made me his child. Oh, what a burden, right? Like, look at how dumb that sounds, but we do this. That's weary worship. And we turn our noses up against the grace of God, which has set us free from sin and hell and Satan. Please, Lord, not here. Please, Lord, not here. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Cursed worship. Verse 14, cursed worship, cursed be the cheat who has, listen, who has the best in his flock and vows it and yet sacrifices his scraps. My paraphrase, cursed. Cursed, it's, um, it's a form of deception. If we're coming in here and we're offering God paltry amounts, just, just, just ask this question. How much are you spending how much time and energy do you place on luxurious items in your life? You say, well, what's luxurious? Mm, pretty much anything beyond food on our table and clothes on our back. In our society compared to the rest of the world, how much time and money are you spending on that? How much are you giving to the kingdom of God? In one sense, I mean, God's saying, if you, if, if you have your best and you bring him your worst, the text is clear today. You're bringing him scraps and leftovers. He's like, is that, a real, is that a real offering? Really? Does it cost you anything? The offering in Malachi's day, the value of it was placed on what it cost the person offering it. And then blind worship. Why blind worship? Well, because God says, I'm the great king, the Lord of hosts. Can you see the heart of God here? He's like, it's almost like he's talking to his people, pleading with them, but also he's like, hey, listen, I'm the great king. Why are you, why are you giving your lives to trash? Why are you spending yourselves on that which does not satisfy? I'm the great king. My name will be feared among the nations. Why are you so blind? Why is your worship so blind? At the end of the day, God says, where's my honor? Where are those who fear my name? God says, return to me, loved ones, and I will return to you. Why? Because the Lord yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell within us. I love how services come together. Think of why the Lord Jesus gave us the Lord's Supper. It's precisely for moments like these. To remember his sacrifice of his life on earth, his death on the cross, to payment for our sins. Why? That we might be humbled. That we might be grateful. 
that we might take our sin again and confess it to him and be reminded of all that he has done in sacrifice for us, that we might turn and in turn offer ourselves anew to him in worship because the one who has given us everything now demands from us everything because he is worthy of our everything and the only one who is. Thanks so much for listening to Live in the Light. We found this ministry to be such a blessing to us as well as our listeners. Our mission here at Live in the Light is to see the radical transformation in God's people through the revelation of God's truth. We believe that through the faithful and passionate preaching of God's word, disciples will be made and the church will be strengthened. Our prayer is as people are impacted by Live in the Light, they will be renewed in mind, reinforced in faith, and resolved in will to live in Jesus Christ. But that's only made possible by you, our listeners. We're kept on the air by your generous gifts and donations. If you're interested in giving to Live in the Light, you can do so on our website at liveinthelight.ca or give us a call at 1-844-225-4448. That's all for today. Join us next time at Live in the Light. I wanna be in the light as you are in the light.